Dimp Digital presents Idle Game Chat. Cool. here from Dimp Digital. Welcome to Idle Game Chat. This is Dimp Digital's flagship video game podcast where we take you through the ups and the downs from the video game world. We are here on your favourite podcast app and YouTube, absolutely free. However, if you wish to support our grassroots independent endeavour, head over to patreon.com forward slash Dimp Digital and join the community. Hashtag hand in pocket. On this edition, I'm once again joined by the FGL Grand Prix winner. It's the resident referee. It's Logan. How is it going? Yeah, not bad. A little bit of sunshine coming through the window. Dare I call it sunshine? Yeah, it's blinding one half of my face. Those that are watching can see that I'm in a bit <laughs> yeah. of a... Well, it's either that I'll sit in darkness and turn the light on. And I think, well, electricity's gone up. Don't really want to be getting absolutely shafted when I don't need to. So natural sunlight should warm the room up as well. It's been, I wouldn't say unusually cold, but it feels like it's been a bit cooler mm. than it normally has in these parts. But other than the sun blinding me, I'm okay. Can't complain. What I like to say, because that's really the measure, isn't it? If you ain't complaining, then you're probably complain. all right. You can always Tendo. complain, but if nothing comes to mind to complain about, you're probably yeah. all right. Yeah, all right sums it up quite yeah. nicely, I think. And you can't be on a high all the time because that's just ridiculous. You end up doing something silly, so you need to be quite balanced. Get in the doldrums now and again. Yeah, get get in the doldrums now and again. Keep yourself balanced, and then when the highs are necessary, absolutely go for them. Well. Another edition of Idle Game Chat ahead of us here. Let's just kick straight in to some fantasy well, gaming league updates because there's a lot of them. In fact, we've got five here, which is an unusually high number. And what I really got, go on. I was just going to say we've got a bit of that early doors this year, haven't we? Where yes, um, a load of games are coming out early doors. I think that's. Part of that's a symptom of people starting to get the game a bit more, not not wanting to put later games in that don't have release dates, you know, or re- release windows lurking mm. because you ultimately get stung. You see something that says November 2023 and you think, well, it ain't, is it? So there's no point in even looking at it. So I think a lot of competitors have tried to front load this, their lists. And I think it's a busy time anyways. A lot of games coming out consistently mm. of, of varying quality as we'll, as we'll get into. But this is definitely um, one of the the peaks that we've had since this season kicked off. Let's start with Octopath Traveller 2. This is in Mr. Salmon's Grand Prix team. Sitting on a lovely 86. Now, not that I was expecting that. That's a a mighty score, to be quite honest. Um, But that's a good score to be getting at this stage. Um... I'm going to try something a bit new this week. Probably the worst week to do it, considering there's five of them. We normally get one or two if we're lucky, but there's five of them here. I'm going to read off four of the blurbs that are listed in the Open Critic Reviews page. I sorted them by most popular. So I've let whatever algorithm Open Critic do, they've got a most popular ranking of 
reviews or I don't know who clicked through on. I don't know what it is. I don't care yeah. how they saw it, but it means that Ronnie just goes with that and it's sorted for him. And I'm yeah. going to pick out the top four that use the 10-point scoring system because that is, I think, the best translation to the score that we get, the 86, for example. The five-star system does work, but it generally doesn't because you get something like three and a half stars and it comes out as a seven when really it's probably on a 10, it would be a bit higher. So mm. keep it simple. It's either going to be a 10 or a 100-point scale, you know, depending on the outlet. And I'm just going to read some of the paragraphs here. So... Let's look at Seth G. Macy from IGN. I think we're going to see a lot of IGN in these most popular reviews because, let's be frank, they are the top dog when it comes to traffic in comparison. Octopath Traveller is a very enjoyable JRPG sequel that feels a little too safe and familiar. 7 out of 10. So 15 or 16 points off the average there. So that's actually a bit of a poo-poo one, isn't it? If you think about the 86 aggregate. It's not in range. It's below five. And that's it. That's the range we look at. Outlier, you might say. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Seth G. Macy. Who's he? What's he doing? No idea. Don't. Maybe we'll get to know these people over time. Who knows? Yeah. Get to know who the fucks are. A new friend of the show. Who's reliable. Well, it might be a horrible bastard. You never know. Or just really mm. irritating. I don't know what's worse. Who, what's, what is worse? Someone that's just a nasty piece of work or just, you know, just an absolute blower that's irritating? I don't know, really. Both have got... Irritating but correct or a nasty bastard in that he's too harsh. I'd probably go with the irritating one. Because at least they're more on the mark. Yeah, but then you've sort of got to keep up appearances with them, and you can't. There's no, there's no validity to you being horrible to them. Whereas if the horrible bastards do it to you, like you can just be, you can be just as rude back and not really lose any social yeah, points. Anyway, mm. we'll wonder what Seth G Macy ends up being. Maybe we'll figure it out over the over the coming months if more reviews of his drop. Josh Broadwell from Game Informer. Octopath Traveller 2 does what what an excellent sequel should. Instead of breaking new ground left and right, it improves on the original in nearly every way and feels more confident about the stories it tells. There's still room for improvement in some of its stiffer areas, but Octopath 2 is a sterling achievement all round. 8.5 out of 10. So that's basically on the money, isn't it? It's in range, one below. Josh Broadwell, much more positive i'd say than what seth was producing for ign that's that's from game informer yeah okay jason faulkner from game revolution don't think we'll see too many of the game revolution to be honest but (laughs) the algorithm spat this one out in the top four octopath traveler 2 is another love letter to square enix's golden years it's a greatest hits compromise the mechanics from across several franchises even if it doesn't build on the original's formula too much nine out of ten so it's interesting. They're all saying the same thing in terms of it's not it's not resetting the formula. And you've got a varying degree there. You've got a seven, which mm. basically it's too safe because it's too familiar. One that's saying, well, it's you know, it's improving on every aspect. Mm. And then this guy here is basically saying, Yeah, it's it's the same old stuff. Doesn't build on the original, but we'll give it a nine out of ten anyway. That's the theme I'm picking up on. It appears to be. I mean, I, find, I always find it a little bit odd for these things because it's kind of like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't sometimes. Yeah. 
You stay in your lane, you get criticised for not moving out of it, and you move out, and they go, why don't they do what they're good at? You go, well... Yeah. It's a good query, nonetheless. Ruben Mount from the 6th Axis. Octopath... Ruben! Octopath Traveller manages to improve on almost every aspect of its predecessor, whether they needed it or not. (laughs) I love that. The exploration is deeper, with more nooks and crannies to nose your way through. The combat is far more intricate, giving giving you greater options to build your party and skill, skill set and a large degree of player choice. The visuals are absolutely beautiful, and the sound design is phenomenal once again. Honestly, Octopath Traveler 2 has basically negated the need to play the first title. I cannot think of higher praise. I mean, it's almost started off as though he's going to start saying, well, they've, imp- they've tried to improve this area and I'm going to crap on it. But everything yeah, that was yeah. listed there is a, is a resounding success, according to Ruben. So Ruben. that pops out as a nice 9 out of 10. There you go. And that's how we got to an 86. IGN, uncharacteristically low, some would say. But um, mm. has any of these review, or this is not these are not full reviews. These are just excerpts that Open Critic takes from the written review. Yeah. Any of these in the score ever going to convince you to go down this path? JRPGs not your bag, I would assume. And these are these are from a different time. These games, but obviously with nostalgia and you know, some people just prefer playing games like that. They do get. You see the scores here, but for you, probably a no-no. I like what I like, and I know what I like. Sometimes, as we've said, I'll step out of lane. If it's on that game pass and it's a free hit, I'll give it a go. Yeah. Um, but generally, the overall score has to be uncharacteristically high, I think. Mm. Citing a Pentiment or a Hi-Fi Rush, well, as example. 86, same as what Pentiment had. Average. Yeah, but I had a bit invested in Pentiment. That's true. As well. Yeah. It's only Salmon that's got it invested here, so he's cackling the way to the bank. So, yeah, I mean, I do want to play the original still. For some reason, in my head, I had it that it was 30 hours long, and I thought, oh, that's that's long. But for these JRPGs, I was like, that's easy. I can do that. And then I looked, and it was 70 hours, and I was like, well, that's a different kettle of fish now, isn't it? It's a long old time. Yeah, that's a proper investment. That's a lot to put Mm. on, take off the menu and put onto plate and say, get through. So that's going to be a while off. And this, I'd like to obviously follow up and play this. Ronnie wouldn't allow for one not being played and then straight to two. Yeah. Even though it seems like there's no narrative thread, really. Ron's going to say, look, you, you'd be playing that first one because it's 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 modern enough. It's only a few years old. Mm. Um, the weird thing about Octopath Traveler 2, get this. Octopath Traveler 1 never came to PlayStation. Okay. Octopath 2, Traveler 2, sorry, is on PlayStation as we speak. Octopath Traveler 1 also went on to Xbox Game Pass eventually. Octopath mm. Traveler 2, nowhere to be seen on Game Pass or even on the store. What is going on? It's on the Switch. Oh, the Switch is laughing. They've had both of them. No problem. Yeah, I remember seeing it on there. That's where I sort of know the That's game That's where it belongs. From. It don't belong on this 4K OLED <laughs> up there, does it? It don't belong on there. I'm sorry. Like, no. Handheld's fine for it. <laughs> <laughs> or some sort of cloud stream. I don't know. But yeah, I'd should, agree. It shouldn't be up the up on there alongside Kratos messing around. <laughs> it doesn't need to be. No, <laughs> but I don't know what Square Enix are doing. Sometimes some suggest that they're getting geared up to be sold or purchased potentially by Sony. So mm. read into that what you want. Next game, Like a Dragon Ishin. This is another Salmon Grand Prix pick, sitting on a clean eighty-one. 
So again, solid numbers from Salmon here in the Grand Prix. Exactly what you need. Um, this is a spin-off, basically, of the Yakuza series. And I think Yakuza is actually going to be called Like a Dragon going forward. So there's kind of a, a change in, in the in the in the naming convention. I believe that to be true. Please correct mm. me if I'm not. And this is somewhere lurking on the sniffometer. Whether it will make it onto the menu in rotation to be considered every few weeks, I don't know for me. But let's have a look and see who said what. Dominic Tarrison from PC Gamer. Old school Yakuza, for, be for, for better or for worse, but still a good point of e entry for newcomers. 78 out of 100. So he's in range, I guess. That's what we can say. Mm -hmm. Close enough to it. IGN, Tristan... Oh, God, what is that? Tristan Ogilvy. 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 So I, I could have done that had I not paused. You know those... Sometimes when you see something, you say, I've just got to go for it and it'll come out. But trying to overcomplicate it, blew it. Like a Dragon Ishin is an enjoyable and interesting spin-off from the Yakuza series, but not an essential one. He's telling people to skip it. Seven out of ten. So below range. That's two IGN sevens on the bounce. People saying they get paid off to give our reviews. <laughs> it's a valid point. That's what's being said. Mm. Michael Beckwith, Metro Game Central. Contentious Metro. People say they're too harsh and don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> they do rag on things, which I do enjoy hearing about. A welcome novelty and throwback for long-time Yakuza fans that offers everything they love about the series, although it's held back by a rather underwhelming plot and too much fan service. So on one hand, again, saying a great throwback for long-time Yakuza fans and then says there's too much fan service in it. So which one is it, Michael? <laughs> yeah. I'll forgive people if they say it out loud, but when you're writing something down, you reread that. You say, come <laughs> Think on. Think about it. Think about what you just put. Blake Hester, some of these names. Game Informer. Like a Dragon Ishin is a awesome spin-off to an already great series and one that I'm glad finally came to the States. Even if it tripped on land in the story kept me gripped and I hope some of the new combat styles and special moves make their way to other RPG games. I also hope we'll get the other spin-offs that never made their way over. Time will tell, but for now it's nice to be back with my favourite criminals. See, that's a good point. This is actually something that's only released in Japan back in the day. So mm. those that have been embedded into the Yakuza franchise have never really been able to play it, you know, unless you knew Japanese. And that's what Blake's highlighted there. Game Informer, 8.3 out of 10. So that's the highest of those four. Mm. Blake takes the title. Blakey closest. Absolutely. Like a Dragon Ishin, does it go on Logan's menu? No. I've never really been interested in Yakuza series. It's I'm just trying never... to see if we ever get one game that you're... I'm just looking down the list. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make a bet to my own head whether you'll say any of these make it on the menu. Japanese if 2, he says. Them, they probably won't. <laughs> That's true. Here's, the big, here's a big one. Biff was gassing this game up like something crazy. Just to me, he said he thinks it's going to be big because it looks like Bioshock. Atomic Heart sitting on Game Pass, sitting on a 74... So you're lucky this didn't end up higher on his list because it would have been in your team. Mm. And I'm surprised he didn't put it in the first two because he really wanted this and it's turned out to be pretty mid-scoring, which, yeah. which, you know, you may have dodged a bullet there. Anyway, mm. 
74 on the Open Critic. Luke Riley from IGN. Atomic Heart is a highly imaginative, Otomo-punk-inspired attempt at picking up where the likes of Bioshock left off that makes missteps, that makes missteps, but definitely has the ticker, has the ticker <laughs> to punch well above its weight. Luke, what are you doing? Eight out of ten, though. So, again, above the range, outside the five-point sort of up or down leverage. So, yeah. he's loving it. Rich Stanton from PC Gamer. Atomic Heart aims higher, even if it doesn't quite pull it off. Is a decent shooter with an exceptionally realised setting. 78 out of 100. In range. Loving it. Metro back at it. So Metro Games, and they haven't put who wrote this, which right. suggests to me Freelance have been reeled in to do this. Mm. The mix of highbrow story concept and complex first-person combat is certainly reminiscent of Bioshock, but this churish homage is nowhere near the same nuance in terms of either plot or gameplay. Five out of ten, a damning review. <laughs> Half marks given. <laughs> Yeah, that's not good. No. They used a lot of big words in there. Yeah. For no apparent reason. Just keep it simple, I say. Keep it simple, stupid. And they've put not put their name there, so we can't criticise them. Hmm. Connor Trinsky. Connor Trinsky from Game Informer. Atomic yeah. Heart is a good game with its own merits. The fun and frantic gameplay, outstanding visual design, and intricate level of detail in the world amount to an experience worth your time. On the other hand, it could have been so much more. The story and characters simply don't do justice to the game's thought-provoking premise and some better writing would have done wonders. Despite that, Atomic Heart is an exciting and memorable first outing from Mundfish. 7.8 out of 10 from Connor. Now, reasonably positive reviews other than the Metro one there. Pretty mm. good scoring numbers. This is on Game Pass, so the menu question probably has more weight to it when I ask you about this one. Um... Mm. Was this flagging on any sort of sniffometer before its release? Because it looked, re it showed really well in the trailers, but obviously it's come out and mm. been a bit polarizing. Yeah, so I had, I was aware this one was coming to Game Pass, but again, it just, I mean, I didn't even play the Bioshocks. They're not, it's no. not really my bag. So. Scary. It is. Got those splices rolling around. Yeah, it's not. They are basically, so. It's not my sort of bag, steampunk, particularly, and all that kind of stuff. I don't mind watching it. Um, but again, it's like, why would that get a look in over Hogwarts? It ain't. No, it's not, is it? Not going to happen. Not even something to go back to, potentially. Nope. Nope. <laughs> not interested. No. You know, I know what I like. Yeah. And I don't mind pushing the boundaries, but I know what I don't like. First I person shooter this is, basically. Yeah, but even that, like... I only like that like competitive. Mm. I don't really like like single player first per person shooter games. So when I cry about having a campaign in Battlefield, you're like, well, what you go away? Don't let them I mean, waste that... time on that. I ain't gonna play it. No, I wouldn't say don't let them waste time on it. Wow. I'm always like, if pe there are people that want to play it, which is fine, but I just don't, I just don't get any enjoyment out of like single player first person shooters particularly i'm trying to think of one that i've played and went yeah hmm. like even like when you look far at cry? halo stories didn't uh they're I, probably I, the most prominent play... aren't they far cry like they are the campaign based first person open yeah, world people yeah but if but they've got a little bit you... more going on i think that's the thing it's like 
you, there's there's more to that than just the combat. Like mm. there's the scavenging, there's the cr- building. I wouldn't call it building, but what do you call it? Like um, crafting. Crafting. Thank you. Yeah, mm. there's a crafting element. There's like other bits to it. Yes. Um, whereas you like play like a Call of Duty, and I know you like the Titanfall Two campaign as well. Yeah. So I'm not crapping on that. But, really good. Um, generally, I, I find them a bit bland. Yeah, that's fair enough. Some people find the perspective difficult, unless you're playing like a military shooter. Mm. Playing a, I know Adkins said this about Cyberpunk before it came out that he he was a bit down on it because it was first person, not third person, mm. like The Witcher. There's something there there that doesn't quite always connect with some people. Mm. Something like that GTA Five first person mode. I mean, I was excited. I ran through it in that, but having played through it on first person again on PS4, I was a bit like, "That's not as good." No, just sim- I, I, when just I saw it, I was a bit like, mm. <laughs> "And I think you could do it in Red Dead 2. I think it allowed yeah. you to. And I was just like, no. "No, no need for this." I mean, it's a lot of work for seemingly not a lot of gain, but for yeah. those who want to be fully immersed, I guess that's one way of doing it. Anyway, we're moving to more important issues for you because this is Parky starting to strike back in quick succession. We've got Company of Heroes <laughs> 3. This is on yeah. Salmon's Grand Prix list and also made it onto Parky's team via Salmon. Sitting there on an 81. Now, I must say, I thought this would be 85 plus. And right, having, okay. having just glanced over some of the criticisms that people have had, and they may come up in these reviews, they may not because I said it is random, but there are um, bugs it's it feels like it's been oh. popped out the door half baked toot so that may well have really stung it in in all mm. honesty concerning um, rts 81 here we go fraser brown from pc game this is this should be the the opinion really the pc gamers are the ones that are most likely going to be getting the most out of these rts's Company of Heroes 3 is a spectacular rts that manages to shine even when the main campaign doesn't 82 out of 100 so he's in range, so he's he's part mm. of the problem. Calls it spectacular and then chucks an 82 out there and goes, well, <laughs> that's what spectacular means. But clearly not happy with that campaign for some reason. What about this one? IGN, John Balding. <laughs> <laughs> so unnecessarily immature. I know, I know. Company of Heroes 3, Company Hero 3's single-player campaign remixes the series' signature WW2 combat, but they wrap it up in a boring, buggy, strategic map and mismatched story. <laughs> Six out of ten! Again, boring IGN. Boring and buggy. Boring and buggy. Doesn't it's like, a six. Doesn't like that strategic map. But again, an- another low score from IGN. Yeah, true. Have they earned their, their paid-for scores reputation? Seemingly not by this sort of data that we're pulling out. Josh Broadwell of Shack News. Company Heroes 3 is a splendid and rewarding RTS game. Tense battles, brilliant map design, and a streamlined unit management make it easily one of the best in the genre, with the Italian campaign acting as an exciting blueprint for the series' future. If Relic wants to use Company of Heroes to tell serious and significant stories, though, the team needs to commit to actually doing that beyond just giving them surface treatment. Eight out of ten. So highly critical of the <laughs> the story elements, but clearly the gameplay there is shone through to give it mm. that to give it that eight. So maybe not a surprise when we when we look at that absolute score itself. Um, I've lost track now. Blown it. Lost all my tabs. Oh, look, we get a double up from IGN. This is interesting. IGN Italy. Right. I mean, 
kind of... They're Italians. I wonder how it's got to most popular, but then I think if you're Italian, you're only going to go there, aren't you? <laughs> most yeah, likely. Right. Most likely. So it makes, it may, maybe it makes total sense. A very convincing return for one of Relic's most iconic series that keeps the best features of the previous game whilst also bringing fresh new ideas that change the way players can enjoy Company of Heroes. Will it be the best strategy game of 2023? Only time will tell. Review in Italian. So that has been translated by someone. 9 out of 10 from Stefano Coscagnola. Well, that's the highest one of the lot. That's what that's what I thought we was going to see more of, to be honest, but didn't. Right. Um, Company Heroes 3, an RTS. I've got the first two on Steam. Haven't actually sat down and played any of them. So the Ronnieism will require me to go through those campaigns before 3. But it's on the menu somewhere lurking. Um, given your more console-based preferences, I'm assuming an RTS isn't really going to make the grade for you, despite... Scoring decently. No, I don't, I'm not really my bag anyway. So, do you ever play Command and Conquer back in the day? On the PlayStation, I did, yeah, but I found it the worst way of playing them. Mm. Um, uh, it objectively was, yeah. You needed a PC really for those to be enjoyed. Uh, but back then, that's before they figured it out. They kind of half figured it out with Halo Wars, mm. I think. And these days, they're not so bad, but. Back in the day, that had been rotten to play on PlayStation. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it was all right, but it weren't great sort of having to try and do it with a controller. I remember um, I had Red Alert 1 and 2. Yeah. And I remember I went around Dan T's house, and he had, he had it on PlayStation, the original, and I was like, what is this? I couldn't believe how bad it was, because it just, yeah. you couldn't move the cursor quick enough to do everything you needed. Uh, you really need to be able to adapt quite quickly and it does i mean nowadays it wouldn't be an issue because you could just plug a mouse in true um but i still just yeah i just i don't really it's not my bag no that's fair enough that's what we're doing we're finding out about logan's bag you'll find logan's bag's very small yeah it is yeah then he goes and plays pentiment and go what are you you playing up there (laughs) that's harmless that (laughs) harmless old can't can't fail can you so you just you just play and it will sort itself out and you'll get yeah basically get to the end kirby's return to dreamland deluxe so this is a biff and parky combination so biff's got his grand prix team lower down it's Mm. in your sorry it's not in your team though because it wasn't one of his first two parky selected this himself this is a personal pick of his sitting on an 80 now when this score came in parky said it was, I think it was an 82 at the time. He said, yep, aiming for 80 and above. I mean, it's just holding on at the moment. So there may be concerns. Scraping. May, there may be concerns there. Mm. Um, let's have a look. IGN again. Colin Stevens. Kirby's return to Dreamland Deluxe is a refreshed version of a fun but frustratingly uneven Kirby platformer that takes, t- takes little too long to reach its potential. 7 out of 10. So again, IGN once again saying, nope. Not getting, mm. not getting into that eight territory, I'm afraid. And Nintendo get the boost, we say. Is that going? <laughs> to be on? fair, like, again in isolation, like seven out of ten. No, it's fine. But it's not for fine. FGL. Yeah, but not for FGL. Yeah. No, you're quite right. Metro Game Central again, the nameless author. They've not, not attached a name to it. <laughs> an undeserved remaster to an unremarkable <laughs> 2D platformer. That- <laughs> What's the primary reason why the soft reboot of Kirby and the Forgotten was necessary in the first place? Five out of ten. So, why are you doing this? It didn't need it. I don't. It was crap when you started, and it's crap again now. There's a reason why we changed the formula with 
<laughs> with the forgotten. And why mm. are we going back to it? Fair, fair cop. Five out of ten from Game Central. Brian Shee from Game Former. Kirby's return to Dreamland Deluxe is still an enhanced remaster of a 12-year-old Wii game, but it effectively brings forward one of the Pink Puffball's best outings, complete with meaningful additions. The result is a game worth of a sitting in on the Switch catalogue in the next year. Sorry. The result is a game worthy of sitting in the Switch catalogue next to last year's superb Kirby in the Forgotten Land. No surprise there. 8.8 out of 10. So above the range as well. Mm. Brian's gone out on a limb there with that one. GameSpot make their first appearance next. I thought these would be in the top four popular each time, but they're hanging on for dear life here, getting the fourth slot of Kirby. Yeah, I don't know what um, what that algorithm's doing. No. Like what makes the most popular? People, I don't know. No idea. I'm not even going to ask them. Steve Watts. Kirby's return to, to do, Kirby's return to Dreamland Deluxe brings a cheerfully gentle Wii-era platformer to Nintendo Switch with smart additions and a big new epilogue. Useful information there, actually, provided in that one, because it would be handy to know that if you've played this before, there's some new content there. Anyway, 7 out mm. of 10, Steve says. Kirby, more in your bag, I'd say, but still not on the menu. Maybe just because it's on that Switch. We know you like to crap on that all the time. So, again, concerning whether this will make the grade for you. No, no. It's uh, it's a, to be to be played on that switch, it has to be an absolute stonker. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's how I see it. Actually, Metroid Prime. Looking at you, waiting to <laughs> finish off other commitments before <laughs> diving into that. So that actually brings us to the fantasy gaming league scores. Now, Parker said in the in the championship showdown against you has now fired back. You led away with three games and was sort of everyone would clap you in as a new champion almost before <laughs> there was any sort of response. Two quick fire games from Parkey leaves the scores. You lead on 254 with three games, average of 85. Parkey on 162 with an average of 81, leaving him 92 points off the pace. How are you feeling now? Now there's some pressure being put on from the other side. It was nice, easy mm. going. You were sort of Going, yeah, 89's good. We were laughing at that. 84's okay. 81, you know, you want 85's and above. Parky hasn't got to the 85, which is the, the, the barometer you've been setting, yet he's still in striking range. So he ain't going to go away, is he? Well, no. I mean, these are usually relatively close, even if... Uh, I mean, unless the game doesn't come out, it's always going to be within, you know, a striking distance of you. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I think I've had a reasonably strong start. It, you know, I think once you sort of get six or seven games out, mm-hmm. I think it becomes clearer how it might land up and you can start thinking about permutations. Um, but yeah, still reasonably happy with what I've got. I think there's a couple in the overall list that need looking at in the next transfer window. Yep. And we'll probably get to that later <laughs> in the podcast. Most likely. In terms of the Grand Prix, <clears throat> Biff's got six games out and sitting on 458 points. Salmon's got four games out, 323 points. Paper, three games out, 238 points. Adcock, two two games out, 162 points. Hall, one game out, 81. Adkins, still sitting there slopping, <laughs> biding his time. But Biff stormed away in the lead, but his average is 76. And we had this discussion in the group where he said, mm. that's a fight that you'll win that in most years. And then I went and got the data and only once has someone won with an average below 80. And it was him. <laughs> so no wonder he's saying it because he won it with that. But everyone else has had to get at least 80 to win the win the Grand Prix. 
Yeah, he's uh, he's obviously remembered saying it's like, oh, I can win it with that, and it's like, yeah, you can win it, you did win it, but that's the only time it's ever been done that <laughs> that's way. That's the exception rather than the rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How very Biff pulling that out. Yeah. Good knowledge, though. He's, he knew he won it with a 78 odd average, so yeah. he managed to retain that. It's probably up on his wall somewhere. Uh, quick checking because the Dice Awards have been announced and the winners of that. So, this is the one of the industry game of the year um, events that take place. God of War Ragnarok and Elden Ring were the big winners. Um, God of War won the most awards with seven. From Software got five, but Elden Ring got the key one game of the year again. So it's got the, it won the Game Awards, Elden Ring. It's won the Dice mm. Awards. Mm. If it gets the GDC one, it's a triple crown. And if it gets yeah. the BAFTAs, it's the quadruple. It's the quad. The dream that we've all been waiting for that Liverpool was supposed to get last year. <laughs> ended up with an average cup double. And there was bus <laughs> celebrations being wheeled out for it. I don't know what that's all about. But <laughs> Elden Ring, I'll have yeah. to check this. And I will check it if and when it happens. Maybe the first game to ever do that, to clean up all four of them. Mm. Um, well, one, a very few it will be, if not, and I'll, I will find that out. Um, yeah. Any surprises there? It's sort of like a foregone conclusion now. <laughs> it's like, well, game, game, any Game of the Year awards, Elden Ring's likely to win it. It feels that way, doesn't it? Mm. Like, it feels like it's, it's odds on every time. I am a little bit surprised. I say yes. Mm. Um, I don't know whether that's fair or not, because I haven't played it, but... It's usually, I think I've said this before on previous podcasts, because it's usually a game that appeals to a select few. Yeah. It doesn't normally get the widespread acclaim, no. like all the, all the Soulsborne stuff. So I'm surprised still that this one's followed the same formula, yet has got such widespread acclaim. I think that's Open the only world. reason. I'm... That's the key. I'm New... not having it. it I'm was... sorry. Well, the, the, this is the headline. If we'd read the reviews back then, you'd have been you'd have fallen off your chair at what was being said. Seriously. <laughs> Like, new way of playing open world, groundbreaking design. That's the, that's what was happening. So this is no surprise to me. And I expected mm. to win all four of them and take the quad and show Klopp how it's done. Why, though? Like, in all seriousness, you've played it. Like, why, why do you think this one is so much, like different if you like because i think the others have reviewed well mm. if I'm, you know they've not been crapped on anything no. but they've never had this like widespread critical acclaim that elder rings had and isn't that i saw streamers playing it that you wouldn't normally expect to be playing this stuff like and they said they enjoyed it mm. but I, I haven't because i wouldn't enjoy it but i don't understand what is so radically i'm the wrong different. person to ask because i don't subscribe to the the third coming of Jesus Christ is what this yeah, is. Yeah, but that's why you're the right person to ask. So why why do you think it's not the third coming of Jesus Christ? Has he come did he come second? Yeah he did. He was reborn, wasn't he? Yeah. Well no, the second coming was Breath of the Wild. So this is the third coming because it happens every few years. <laughs> he ain't come back yet, is he in real life? <laughs> he so, did though, didn't he? Yeah, but he didn't walk around, he just disappeared. I thought we just <laughs> <laughs> I went back to find him in those rocks, didn't they? And he weren't there. Oh, and they went, oh, he's come back. And now they say well, the second coming is happening one day. And we've already had it with Breath of the Wild in terms of the game. Right, okay. That's, right, yeah. that's how I've... Maybe I've got my Bibles muddled up and backwards, I, I, but I'm I, not an expert. I don't know. I'm definitely not either. Offended um, half of the population. But, I was um, literally about to say, yeah. Okay, so... Educators. Why do, you, why do you think it's not? Why do you not subscribe to the... Well... 
consensus on this one? One, it technically doesn't run very well. Yeah. I mean, that's just a flag that I'll, I'll always call out because the game would be objectively better if it did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's in, it's an interesting design, an interesting setup, and the, the combat is really good, and the flexibility it offers you to do that is really good. Mm. But as someone who played it and didn't look up anything, you will never find everything you need in this game and you'll be lost plenty of times. And I, f- I feel like, and maybe this didn't happen with the reviews because the game's not out when they're doing it, but a lot of the people that enjoy this go towards guides. And it's that's just something I think is fundamentally I disagree with. Like if you need mm. a guide to play a game, there's something wrong with the game at its core somewhere. Like to mm. extract, and I know you need a guide to extract a hundred percent out of the game. Like you, most games, yeah. you'll need some sort of aid, but this still feels like it. Kind of, you need it just to get by, almost to mm. get by efficiently, anyway. Yeah, and that that's still there. That's still present. That was there in their smaller scale game. So imagine just blowing mm. that out to an open world where you can go off anywhere. Like you, you you'll suffer, and um. A lot of repeatable bosses and enemies and whatnot. It's it's too big for its own good. It's one of these overindulgent games. It didn't need to be 100 plus hours long. Mm. It'd been better served as 60, which is still a mighty load of time to sp- to sprinkle into it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just... You could say I'm just not really a big fan of these games anyway, so this was never going to tick the box. Mm. But, but the reason I ask you is because a lot of people that don't typically enjoy them games still enjoyed it. Did so they, though, the or they wouldn't be part of the crowd? Well, and this is this happens. You're not allowed to say bad things about it without getting screamed at. So most people just go, "Yep." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the one that I would say that wouldn't care about being shouted down that did enjoy it was Doctor Disrespect. Did he finish it? He, yeah. Mm. So he said he finished. So he finished it, and he said he really enjoyed it, and it's one of his favourite games of last year. And that I didn't expect. And he's normally quite happy to go. This is crap. Like if necessary, or I mean, some he people, does it- even the even the mightiest will crumble under the pressure, mate. Like yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's- no, no, I've, and I think you're right. I think there will be people that go because it's got critical critical acclaim. You don't want to just be like, oh, like no, I think it was crap. You're gonna go, yeah, it was amazing. Clap it out the door. You've got to be wary also of overcorrecting. Like you see something that's so good, and then you play mm. it, and then go. Well, ain't that good? And then you overcorrect and overly are critical of it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you think, well, I don't get You're it. You're expecting it up here, and then it can't even get, get to the yeah. mid because you think, well, no, I didn't. I didn't get the, mm. you know, the the gold standard experience out of it. But mm. no, I mean, it's perfectly. I think I gave it a silver. So you know, yeah, yeah. But mm. all the, what it is, it's all the noise about it being the game changer and all that. I just don't see yeah, it yeah, personally. Yeah. And people will point mm. to, oh, it does this, it does that. I'm like, trust me, you don't want games to follow this structure. Trust me, you don't, because you'll be sitting there looking at guides rather than playing the games throughout much yeah. of your time. And that, for me, is a big no-no. Mm. But all, it's all personal preference, isn't it? Even these awards, who are, they've got an academy of people from the industry. Mm. Someone sat down and played it and went, yeah, that one I prefer. And it's all taste, preference. Yeah. There's no objectivity in it other than that it would objectively be a better game if it ran at 60 FPS smoothly and it simply doesn't. So, in fact, the one thing that is objective, it fails on in my eyes. <laughs> gets, gets up people, doesn't it? But oh, People sad. don't like hearing it. Sam it it's the, the same with Pokemon and, yeah. and various other games that are technically subpar, but... Yeah, like Guild Wars 2, maybe. 
coming mm-hmm. later. No comment. <laughs> PlayStation done a state of play. Um, I watched it all. It's it, it's now clear to me that they're not going to release anything of note this half of the year. That that VR is the priority for the next three to four months, mm. and that actually June will kick off their more you know core console based people with Final Fantasy, which they're not making but have secured exclusive rights to. Um, yeah. There is the main topic will be, of course, it will have to be Suicide Squad. But there is a couple of like interesting notes that I picked out. Baldur's Gate Three is getting a PS5 version, thirty first of August. It's not coming to Xbox, which suggests money being passed under the table. So right, okay, it was coming to PC anyway. It's been early access for a couple of years, but that was just a little intro. They didn't. Didn't like bark about it and say, you know, console exclusive. There was none of that. It was mm. just someone found it in the FAQs afterwards saying it's only coming to PS5 at the moment. So <laughs> the running theory is that Jim's wrote a check out and said, we'll have that for a year or whatever. The other theory yeah. is that actually, you know, the, the developers thought, well, we'll just make it for PS5 at the moment. That's the, that's the only scope we've got. But I tend to lean on Jim cut him a check and went, bring that over here and then we'll have it for Are a year. Not? They don't have to declare that or anything, do no, they? No. It may just never come to Xbox and everyone will be like, what's happened? Mm. <laughs> what's happened there? But I just felt like a little low-key interesting thing that I've picked out and people were crying over on the Xbox side, as, <laughs> as they do. Um, we got a really interesting... Well, not really interesting. We got some PlayStation Plus essential games that will come in for yeah. March, which is Battlefield 2042. So this is the lowest tier, I should say. Battlefield 2042. Minecraft Dungeons... This is interesting to me for one reason. Minecraft is owned by Microsoft now. In order for this deal to take place, someone had to say, here's some money, and it goes into Microsoft's pocket. The running narrative is that Microsoft and Sony are at war because of this Activision deal. It's so bloody they can't even talk. And yet, when the business deals pop up, when the money is there to be made, they're still cooperating. I mean... At a small level, this is a very you know, low down level. This isn't like a big deal, but it just shows there's still a dialogue between the two companies, even if it's through intermediaries, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, I think from Microsoft's side, it might be them sort of doing the good guy thing where it's kind of like, look, we're still giving, give us a million and we'll do it. Is that good guy? Well, I mean, there's always going to be money, but I mean, yeah. in terms of it's not just a case of it doesn't, money's no object. We just don't want, if yeah. you want to play these games, they're, they're only on Xbox. I mean, I'm sure there are some titles like Halo, obviously, would never be like, you could not chuck, well, I mean, I'd probably suggest they'd be better off taking the money, but you, uh, like, they're just not going to, it's not going to happen. No. But some of these, especially with Minecraft, that's broadly been on all platforms anyway since they acquired it. Yeah. It kind of makes sense that they'd continue to to do that with dungeons. No. Money printer. Well, yeah, absolutely. And Code Vein also. And then to the PS Plus Extra, which is the middle tier, that's the value one for me. Premium to expensive. Essentials is decent for what it is. You don't have to pay Mm. a great deal and it gets you your online play. But Extra, I think, actually does have a lot of value for the vast majority of people. Uh, the highlight really there's a few let's do the highlight last Uncharted Legacy of Thieves End Collection or Thieves End Collection sorry is coming to that so that's the remastered version of Uncharted 4 and the Lost Legacy so I'll be playing that that's what I've been waiting for don't know when but that's put on the menu straight away Immortals Mm -hmm. Phoenix Rising 
Rainbow Six Extraction. Ghostwire Tokyo, that goes in the menu for me. I was waiting for that. That'll go on there. It'll go on Game Pass probably in March as well, but given mm. those haptics, it gets installed onto the PlayStation. And yeah. then this little-known indie title called Chia. This, they're doing a stray with this. It's coming day one to PlayStation Plus Extra. 21st of March, that'll be coming. So the last time we did that was with Stray, multiple Game of the Year nominee that no one wants to give it its credit for. <laughs> so it's, in, it's the only reason I'll say it's interesting is because Sony don't typically do this. PlayStation don't. This isn't a regular occurrence. On Game Pass, it's almost two a month, isn't there? Day one, mm. Atomic Heart. You know, that's that's an example of one of them right there. Whereas mm. Extra and PS Plus, we sort of say no. But this is a version of that. So... I hope it continues the trend as good as Stray. Having seen what I've seen, it looks okay. Looks like it could go either way, to be honest. But mm. interesting, they're still tickling these little indies for the day ones and not any big, big parties, but they can still be just as valuable. 21st of March. Uh, I reckon that'll probably continue, wouldn't it? Yeah. You'd think so. There'd be just a few of those scattered throughout the year, I'd imagine. That's how I'd, I'd imagine it to take place. And then we've got a Resident Evil 4 trailer, which gave away a lot. Resident Evil 4 I know it's a remake but it's going to be a lot of people that hadn't played through that <laughs> it gave away a hell of a lot that was going on in mm. that game so I would actually advise people don't watch that if you care about that stuff anyway Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League this is important for many reasons this was the headline act for the state of play but more importantly for us here on Idle Game Chat Logan has this in his Fantasy Gaming League team a personal yeah. pick of his towards the back end and I think the, the, the comment we used was he's taken the bait Mm. Now he's sitting there looking down the barrel of this. You've had a. This is the biggest blowout we've had of Kill the Justice League. I've got my own thoughts, but I'm more interested to see or hear what you've got to say about what you saw at the state of play and whether this has filled you with confidence or regret. Uh, there's definitely more regret than confidence. <laughs> that's that's for sure. I mean, it, it, look, it, it, I had my doubts about it, but. It was one of them games for me that could go... I mean, we'd seen a little bit of gameplay, but nothing too much. And I think there was a lot of people that saw the original kind of release and was a bit like... Mm. Uh, started flagging up some question marks there. <laughs> and then that little sort of five, six-minute gameplay that they demoed. Yeah. I mean, it don't look great. <laughs> it, it's, it, it looks okay. I think that's the point. It looks okay but it doesn't look like the sort of thing that's going to win you a, a fantasy gaming league. No. It's not the clutch pick, is it? I don't... I, I mean... I, I'm i looking at that thinking if we get 70s... <laughs> like, it can, I, the thing is... Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think most people are going to give that a 6 to 7 out of 10. Yeah. With a couple of smatterings of 8s from some lunatics, Which possibly. Which won't, won't be enough to pull the score up. It won't do enough for the for the overall score. So I think you're probably looking at six high 60s, maybe low 70s for that. Mid 70s, I think, tops. Mm. And that is a concern for the FGL. Yes. Um, I've got no idea what the scores would be, but I wouldn't necessarily no. say you were wrong there. What about... There's something to play potentially appearing on the menu from what you saw because it's a co-op shooter, mm. multiplayer, you know, four buddies in there. Crack down on crack, maybe. Some people may describe it as. 
mean, you're one of the few people that played mm. Crackdown 3, unfortunately. And I remember you. Good Lord. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to be as bad was, as that, but. It's not good. You know, that's one of the comparisons made. Yeah. Uh, is this even tracking on the, on the menu anywhere? I mean, you don't rule it out. Mm. Uh, just because it doesn't review well, it doesn't mean that it might not be fun for a few sessions with a group of us. Like, but I think a lot of people are going to be put off by the comparisons that I think we've made in the group between mm. um, Crackdown, Saints Row, and I think you said something else as well, didn't you? Yeah, Sunset Overdrive. That's it, Sunset Overdrive. Which is a good game, but not yeah. with those three mixed in. <laughs> Um, it looked a bit chaotic all over the show, colourful, like, which isn't, I was, I don't know, I was expecting something like a little bit darker, I think, from, yeah, from Suicide Squad. Uh, but yeah, it was just a little bit, um, underwhelming, I think is, is the way to put it. Yeah. It's a shooter as well, which mm. in some ways doesn't suit characters like King Shark or Harley Quinn. Now you, they do have melee attacks, but... I don't know. It, it, there's a few things that it just looks chaotic for one, which I know yeah. people love. Every character seems to be able to sort of swing through the air or hover in some way with either a weird bit of technology or device they've got, mm. which again just seems strange. Like it's not, it's not a very grounded shooter. It's jump around and hover mm. and shoot and do some damage. And then really the thing that just kind of turned me off, and I was already a bit cold in it anyway, but just went a bit colder was. Like the enemy variety, not maybe not the variety because we don't know, but the enemy style, just purple mm. coloured guns or tanks or people, yeah. just, were they robots, Brainiac? Like this is just so, just looks like purple fodder to just go through. Yeah. And at least four times there was cuts <laughs> in it where they were shooting giant purple, I guess, weak points on larger, yeah. you know, I don't know, buildings or mechanisms potentially. Mm. I just thought this just doesn't look interesting at all from that perspective. And that's about, you know, bringing up the fact that it's, it's always online. It's designed clearly to be multiplayer. They say you can play it on your own, but I would, mm. there's bots running around in their places, which is never ideal. And then they did mention, they addressed the uh, loot box, not the loot box, the battle pass for cosmetics only. Mm. Uh, saying it won't actually affect any gear score, which I think is important, an important distinguishment to make. But still, they're going to try and monetize it. And then they're waffling about future content already. And I was like, well, you know, let's get this out first and see whether you see whether the, the, the bosses, the powers that be, see those sales come in and money made and say, we're going to green light any more content on this. Because mm. anecdotally, outside of the DIMP group even, I've seen not a great response to this. Just seems like it doesn't even feel like a justice. I don't know what Justice League is, but this isn't what I would have expected when this was leaked and announced without seeing it many years ago. Especially, when, um, especially coming off the Arkham games, yeah, with Batman. Yeah. So that's the more the kind of game I was expecting from this. Like originally, it was more a more grounded, darker version. Um, it's just so far from what I thought it would be. And I was going to say to you, you were like, for a suicide. I was like, if you took away the Suicide Squad from this, like if it was just a game with made-up characters, you'd be looking at this going, what? <laughs> what's going what? on? What's going on here? Why, what, what, what's pulling me into this? Like, what's it, off, what's it offering that's new or... Chaos. Movement. Yeah, Skull and Bones or whatever it was showed <laughs> us that, and that basically just made us go cold on that game. Like, 
I don't understand this. Like, why do people want this? Like, frenetic. I don't think they do. <laughs> yeah, I think that's born this is out. Like, why, why do they think that everyone wants this like constant, overwhelming chaos all the time? Like, it's just sensory overload, <laughs> and it's just unnecessary. I mean, I think it. You know, it's it's just a sort of a five minute clip. But it didn't sell me. So if that's what they're trying to sell it to me on, yeah. it makes me worry for the rest of it. Yeah. If you're saying this is the best of the game or a flavour of the game, that like, I, I think, well, I'm not sure about that then. No. I mean, it's got the potential for it to be like semi-enjoyable in a co-op. I do get that element to it. I think, okay. The Division well, 3 got... is what we wanted. This on, you know, they've just given it an energy mm. drink and thrown... Yeah purple over it i mean yeah it, it, it did have an element at least of... you can zip about in this division three slugging around in that bloody city trying to get from a to b computer isn't it yeah <laughs> um yeah it was it, it was a bit underwhelming to say the least mm. um and i think you know it might it'll probably get a bit of a lukewarm reception and won't won't be particularly uh great for my for my FGL score. No. The transfer window is coming up in March. There are opportunities mm. for people to get rid of stuff. It will go into the free transfer pot, which means Parky, dare he <laughs> dare he choose, he could pick it up for no penalty fee, but I can't see that happening if that scenario transpires. Before we hand over and go to the next segment, Gotham Knights got a 69 on Open Critic. 69, yeah, just double-checking that. Does Suicide Squad end up above or under <laughs> that score if you're just going to hazard a guess today with little information uh, you'd probably hazard a guess that that'd go under right <laughs> you would though wouldn't you looking at it yeah you probably would if you're a betting man if you were to say higher or lower it's in that range is what i'd say above five or below five <laughs> It's, it's, it's literally what I just said, where I was like, yeah. it literally is going to be high 60s, low 70s. Like, that's, to me, you'll get a couple of the odd sort of 7.5s or an 8, but yeah. the majority will probably be like a 6 or a 7, and that'll fucking do it. Interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe they've got some more tricks up their sleeve to show everyone, but I highly doubt that. Anyway, that's enough for this particular segment of the podcast. Uh, the state of play itself, I watched. It was okay. Like It was 45 minutes. It wasn't their best work for sure. Um, mm. Intriguing, I'd say. Some of the smaller business things that have come out and seeing Suicide Squad, but wasn't wasn't a you know, must-watch for those out there. <clears throat> Just pick up the headlines and look at what you're interested in. But we're going to transition out. Logan's going to go and put his feet up, and I'm going to return after the transition with paper, as I said, or maybe I dropped the breadcrumbs earlier, to talk about Guild Wars 2. It's a long one, so buckle up. Anyway, we will see you on the other side. Here we are then, back with some game chat. To close out idle game chat this time i'm joined by mr paper and he's finally gonna get his opportunity to talk about his beloved guild wars 2 this is a long-term game that he's been playing for many many years and it's time to finally 
wrap up what's going on in the world of Guild Wars, get a bit of a state of the play and understand exactly what makes this game tick and what keeps bringing back Mr. Paper every time. So welcome to the show. You get to be the main event this time. The main event. Well, and it's Guild Wars. And it's, 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 it's like my birthday and Christmas wrapped into one. Yeah, absolutely. Guild Wars 2. I mean, let's try and set some context for people out there. Just quick fire questions. Did you play Guild Wars 1? No. No. Gone. When did you start playing Guild Wars 2? Uh, I For Guild Wars 2, I pl- started playing, I think, about two years after it uh, it went live. Maybe two to three years. Mm. Um, and it's been this, this year, when, when August just gone, or should I say last year now, actually, uh, August just gone was the 10-year anniversary. So that gives you some indication of how long ago. So I've been playing several years now. Yeah. Almost, maybe eight. Maybe eight. You know, in, that, in that sort of Actually, you know, in my job, I'm coming up for eight-year anniversary in my job, and I remember starting playing it before my job. So, yeah, I'm definitely coming up for the eight-year anniversary in Guild Wars. At least eight years. Yeah. When you last checked, how many hours had you put in over this, this period of time? Oh, I'm coming up for a... Uh, I've gone past 800 now, so I, I'm All working right, out... Okay. We're not in the so thousands not, yet, we don't think. Not 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 quite yet. I think I'm not a million miles away. I tend to pick it up and put it down. So to be honest, like what I was thinking about this the other day, a hundred hours a year isn't too bad. It's actually no. quite you know, in a grand scheme of a game, you sink a hundred hours into Zelda. <laughs> well, not intentionally, but that, that game doesn't end. Also done a, <laughs> done at least fifty hours into Persona and that's still not finishing, so that could be a sixty, seventy hours by the time it's done, but yeah, 100 hours a year is not too bad. Um, have you played all the main content that's available to you at this point in time? Obviously, these games move reasonably quickly, and we'll, we'll maybe get into it moving a bit quicker a bit later on with some of the announcements they've had recently. But generally, are you up to date with what's been released and you know what, what Guild Wars has to offer in terms of like, the main events that they, they give you? Yes, and uh, I yeah. In terms of like story, lore, and 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 I guess just general expansion content and uh, living world season content, um, and the historical season one, which has just been re-released. Um, I am now I'm fully up to date, so I've played everything from a content perspective mm. um not including some I might have missed some strikes or maybe not done some fractals or something like that, which is uh, you know some sort of like maybe it's a, it's a dungeon or a raid or something like that but generally from a a, a player perspective the main sort of storyline content and exploring the world and unlocking everything in the world i've done all of that done all that how do you play this game do you have a guild that you go and interact with and associate with do you have the dimp crew that come along and accompany you on these quests or are you a loner <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends, and it's changed over the years. Um, yes, it has. You know, the interesting story was that actually it was you and Krog that got me into it and Hall, yeah. and we played it quite a lot at the start, and then you and Krog disappeared, and it was me and Hall for a while, <laughs> and then Hall disappeared, and then I was a good old loner for a good period of time, um, didn't really want to join a guild and, and so forth. I, um, I, I, you know, halfway through doing that, you know, just keeping up to the story, I, I wanted to do more of uh, some of the game content called World versus World. So I joined a guild to do a lot of that. And so I joined up with the guild. And though I didn't maybe interact with the guild in terms of like jumping on voice comms and stuff like that, you know, to have chat with people. So you're not in Discord I, with them chatting. You're just, it's no, just purely in game. It's like, oh, 
the, yeah, well, doing they, they had they had Teamspeak going, right? Because um, there's Teamspeak back then before Discord. <laughs> I um, about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, I, I would join the Teamspeak, but I just probably I wouldn't say anything. I was there to sort of listen because it's more of a right. you're, do, you're going into a battle and and all that type of stuff. So you know, hearing the directions of the commander makes things slightly easier, and you can do your job slightly better in the the world versus world content. So I did that, um, and then uh, recently they have stopped being a guild really um mm. and i had some other people that from another subset of friends that i know in, in another world called, from another community called mm-hmm, um pick up uh guild wars uh and then i jumped in with them for a bit and we did a lot of which was for me was really good because i end up because i'd done a lot of the story stuff like i was doing a lot more of the uh the dungeon and fractal stuff with them um and it was more enjoyable than just maybe doing a pug group where you just join a random group which is fine and i've definitely done some of that but i get less enjoyment out of that so i don't do that as much but when you're doing it with a group of mates or going for a dungeon and stuff like that it's, it's a lot more fun um so i've been doing that uh recently um and i have also joined another guild which is which i haven't done too much with if i'm being honest but i'm definitely in the i and i'm in the discord but i don't talk on it but it's it's uh being a part of a guild comes with like perks of you know in-game bonuses and stuff like that so there is definitely yeah there's, there's definitely a reason to do it so i would say generally out of my whole if you if i look back at the whole journey i've mainly been a loner in the whole thing uh and i'm i'm fine with that um you know when people have wanted to play i've definitely jumped in with them i've not gone out of my way to make new friends if that's if that's that what's being asked um I've definitely these just people kept... are weirdos anyway so it ain't worth <laughs> I, I, we're probably some of them you know well. we, we are we are those weirdos but it's um yeah I, I definitely haven't gone out of my way to to make new friends um but i've definitely been a part of groups <laughs> yeah that's fine yeah i think there's there's even like games that i've played where they offer like a guild or a clan and you just join it to get the xp boost and nothing else really we never i never actually do anything with that those people i just you join and know that every week i'd get you know some extra xp yeah. or something so i did that with destiny for yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely in a, in a clan for the sake of just being getting some of these extra you know perks and so forth when it was worth it yeah so how did you how did you find your way in guild wars initially i mean i know you had with krog myself hall there but after we'd flaked off you were kind of left on your own did you seek out you know, things to do in Guild Wars, or would you sort of let the game naturally kind of take you on your, your ebb and flowing wherever you felt like it was best to go? Or did you sort of start looking up into the the different activities more and think, right, I think I think I want to do this now and focus on this and then maybe do that. How did you kind of roadmap out what you were going to do and then continue playing it for, for so long? Yeah, I, I think there's just, with MMOs, I think there's just generally a lot to do in them anyway. Mm. And very rarely, and there's definitely people out there that have done every single corner and every single cranny or whatever and, and stuff like that. And are just grinding things for the sake of grinding things. But generally for most people, we're probably not getting to do every single thing because there's so much. So for me, what as a more of a single player type person, it was all about the going through the main story. Mm. Um, when we're, going through those sort of those first levels in the main core game you have to level to level 80 and yeah. so there's definitely points where you, you you'd break and you'd maybe get to like level let's say 13 and then you'd have to get up to level 20 before you then unlock the next bit of the story because it unlocked every 10 levels but once you got past that level you're ultimately then just paying for like expansions and so forth 
and because guild wars isn't uh, a game where you need to progress your levels to unlock certain things you are then just straight into the story and you can continue doing story and so forth so for me a lot of what i was doing was based in the story and and so forth um and obviously that comes to a point where you end it and and so forth and sometimes i'd have breaks and so forth mm. i there's a lot to do in guild wars as i said earlier that I, I went into a phase where i did lots of world versus world content because i finished the story up to that point at the moment but i still wanted to play the game so and i found it interesting uh, i quite enjoyed that element of that pvp like of running around in big groups and so i saw you f you find things that you enjoy it and then there's usually things to achieve when you're doing it mm. and so for me like it was getting to in world versus world you'd unlock a, a scripture and that would then allow you to be able to craft a legendary yeah that was something at one point i was doing was trying to i wanted to always just craft one legendary weapon in an mmo and so obviously guild wars is my mmo i that was a target at one point and so i was going off doing that um there's sometimes you find little things like there's a an achievement for completing every jumping puzzle so you might be like right how much jumping puzzles am i missing and you might go yeah. off and try and do those um and so forth um there are horizontal things you can grind to get extra perks but they're not things that you need to really uh within reason to that, that change your game so i've not unlocked every horizontal perk you have to get to so you get that's uh level that's a, a a line of leveling as well and so that goes up to 455 at the moment and i'm at like 290 ish yeah. so i'm still quite a long way from like unlocking everything horizontal but there's nothing there that stops me from enjoying the game it's just another thing for someone to go off and grind and i've definitely that's one of the things i want to do is like get that to max level at some point but i'm not in a rush to do it because it's not preventing me from playing the part of the game that i like which is the main story so yeah. for me i tend to play parts of the story then i might have a break like mm. and i've i've sometimes taken three four five six month breaks from it and then i get that itch again and i'm like right i'm gonna go back in and then i'll maybe i'll play in like every night you know for a couple of hours every night and then as i said i'll, I'll burn myself out a little bit and i really evaluate my life like do i really want that achievement and stuff like that and then I go, maybe not and then it, you stop playing it for a bit and then it sort of becomes yesterday's news until you get that itch again and i think mmos are good in terms of because they consistently release content they get that itch going in you again it's not like it's like a i guess a dlc you know like when yeah. you can complete horizon but when horizon dropped that for that that dlc after it, it it made people want to go back into the game and because there's that new bit of dlc that's come out for it and so yep. forth and and destiny does it and all like that and uh, mmos do that quite a lot um so guild wars does that and then i get that itch again and i'm like ah oh. or if i know something's coming up and i'm like i really want to achieve this thing that i've always wanted to achieve before that next expansion comes out i might get back into it like a couple of months before to you know Jesus try ready. and ex yeah exactly you know prep myself i i'm technically already ready for any you know content that comes yeah. up it's just that you know there are like little things on your checklist that you like i really wanted to do that and there's always another thing on your checklist that you can you'll do that and it's like something like oh actually i now want to do this or that so there's always something to do so you've played Obviously, a lot of Guild Wars too, mm -hmm. but you've also dabbled in plenty of other MMOs. Yep. You know, one of the ones that we've spoken about on here previously was New World, which we yep. managed to get through. But you've dabbled in other things, whether it be World of Warcraft, for example. So, what? There's obviously something about Guild Wars that has given you the bug. Is it just 
a sunk cost this time. You're like, well, I've put 800 odd hours in, so I'm always going to come back to this and never really look to abandon it. Or does Guild Wars 2 do something that the others perhaps don't do as well that keeps you more engaged with that with that world? Is it just at this point a, f- a familiarity that you've got or is there actually some key things that you like about Guild Wars 2 in comparison to the others? I think it's a bit of both if i'm being honest if we if we if we break it down there's always that element when you put a bunch of time into something you don't want that to be ripped away or be wasted and so forth so there is that element that i've put in eight nine hundred hours into the game i unlock the whole world i understand the whole world i know a lot of the lore there's books that have come out that i've read so like in backstories and stuff like that that you know so i'm quite invested in the lore and the world and and so forth and there's definitely an element of that, you know, on other MMOs, do I really want to put that amount of effort that I've put into this to understand the world and the law and into that? And I don't mind understanding it at that high level, but maybe not as much in the detail. And so that's it's sort of because it was I was there first. And it's like you tend to find those people that maybe were playing RuneScape or WoW when they're younger as kids, you know, are more in that because they've spent so much more of their time and they don't want to see that all wasted no. and so forth. So that that's definitely one element. Um but for me, I, I I think the the reason I've always quite liked it or I've, I've gotten quite well with it is generally that as a single player and someone that's quite casual, I can quite easily navigate my way through the whole game without potentially needing to interact with anyone. I do interact with people when I want to and it allows me to do that. But generally to do most of everything, the main story and stuff like that, I, I, I don't and so I can go for it at my own pace and as someone that I would mark myself as a casual within the game mm. um, like I'm not turning around and like having a six month break and coming back and being massively behind everyone I can still catch up with all the same content because it's none I, the leveling system doesn't you know push me out like it might do on a, a destiny where or a world of warcraft um, mm. where you're suddenly just uh not in that same level i think you know I've, I've never played it but i'm told final fantasy does a similar vibe where it allows it doesn't you know gatekeep people you know because they have breaks and stuff like that right. and you'll always have to be invested in that game where so that's what i think for me i has probably allowed me to keep coming back because i think if i had taken some of those breaks and then i was massively under level and i needed to grind a lot to catch up or whatever it was I'd probably just say, oh, I'm not going to do that, you yeah. know. But because I can go in and I can jump in and click a button and I can start the next chapter of the story and then I'm already into content that's enjoyable and progressive story that I can understand around the, the dragons and whatever Guild was doing at the time, I, I'm straight back into it and I don't need to worry too much. And so for me, that works for me. Some people like the grind. I'm not the biggest fan of just grinding for the sake of grinding. Um, mm. As I said, I've done one legendary weapon. I've not got any, and that's just because I was saying I wanted to tick off my list to say I've done a legendary weapon in an MMO for me, Guild Wars 2. You know, I don't want to do it again. I've got that one tick. I'm happy I've walked away, you know? And so, yeah, for it's, I don't, I'm not a grinder uh, that can just go away and, you know, just level up for the sake of leveling up. I just yeah. want to jump into some story. So how do they, how do they handle an expansion so i i dive in today and i then say i'm gonna buy the what's at the end of dragons at the latest yep. yeah dragons i'm level 30 for some reason can i actually play that will it all is there like a booster that comes with it to put me up to level or is the story content all scaled around your player level 
how does it because you mentioned you can't you don't really get left behind so i'm interested to understand how that's how they kind of handle that so level one to 80 which is the primary source of the game you know it was the original game if you're going to play through like the original story that as you go through that story that's free to play now isn't it that cool that's free to play play and so and i think actually living world season one is as well but um that's probably the only time your gate keeps behind having to grind to a certain level because you have to get to level 10 to then not like the next part of the story. Yeah. And you have to get to level 20 or whatever and stuff that like that. That is a journey but, and progression is required. And, so. it, and it is. But generally now, and like actually what most of us say that, that play the game is like, do it because if you boost and because you do get given a booster, you know, when you buy an expansion, so you can boost the character. So you could just boost that first character and just go off and play the expansion. Yeah. But you miss that learning curve if that makes sense yeah so like with mmos there's you can just jump straight in and go straight up to it and you might enjoy that but you've suddenly not learned you know how to dodge roll and all these type of things that just generally come as you you're new to a game and you're leveling and so i guess with an mmo it's the, the leveling side at the front is quite big in comparison to like a normal say triple a game whereas probably within the first sort of five hours if say it's a 60 hour game you're you're spending that you know you know probably figuring out a lot of the game and the the functions and stuff like that maybe a little six hours or whatever but then generally past that point you know most of it and you know it's just uh, you know making your way and progressing and you know dealing with different skill levels and caps and stuff like that whereas you know mmos generally that first real big period of getting to that sort of first high level is is really about sort of teaching you the game mechanics and stuff like that and, and so forth. And so, yes, you can boost and get straight into it. And if you, there's definitely people that that works for because they only want to play certain types of content and that's fine. I think, you know, you do miss out on a bit of like, you know, understanding the game and the ex- exploration if, if you do do that. And so for me, I look back and I was, I loved that first part because it was like new, I was exploring a new world, but it was also grindy. I remember taking a break at like, 50 at level 50 because i didn't want to keep and then coming back and going you know what james like after like a month or so like let's get let's just at least get to level uh level 80 um and just get you know and then you can at least walk away from it uh, a bit like what we did in new world to be honest um yeah. but then that's the difference was then i got then sacked in at that by that point and i was quite invested and then the next expansion came out and i was like oh do you know what i'll give that a go and and then once you're at that point ultimately it's like any other game you can just play your way through it and it like it it you don't need to be you're not then gatekeeped from any content because you're not a certain level because you can just buy it all and you can just work your way and i've been playing with a guy called chris recently um i say recently probably a fair few months ago now but um like he leveled his characters 1 to 80 but then he didn't really care too much about the story he wanted to unlock say like the mounts which were in path of fire so he went over just to skip to you know a load of the expansion content and he just went over to path of fire and just looked online how to quickly unlock the mounts and sort of went over there and did some bits to unlock those even though they were in certain level parts of the story because he, he wasn't too fast and uh and yeah just unlock them so there's different people i guess it sort of works for different people how, how you want so that's quite nice that you know you don't you're not also like, ah, uh, yeah, there it's on the third expansion. So, but I still have to play my way through to get there. You yeah. could, I do say like one to eighty, and then go straight off. And if you want to do End of Dragons, you can go and do End of Dragons if you want. Interesting. Yeah, I mean that's a good way of handling it that people can sort of mix and match what expansion they go with. They've got to play them all chronologically, and if you want to go back, you can just buy them and play them out of order. It's not a, not really a 
an issue. So people that are looking at this will see that obviously we've got the base game, which is now free to play fully from, from 1 to 80, like the core game. And then you have these paid expansions. And then you've got, and they're, they're self-explanatory, you know, you get a, a good chunk of um, story that's split into a number of acts. And I assume there's new items, weapons, mounts, as you mentioned in one of them. And, uh, you know, the usual sort of stuff you'd expect with an, with an expansion, quite meaty, something that players usually look forward to, particularly in the, the MMO space. But you have also these seasons called Living yep. World, which have been going on since, well, I mean, Living World, it looks like I'm looking here, was was out in the first year of the game coming out. So this is something they adopted quite early what is the difference between a living world season and an expansion? Because there's five yeah. there's five living world seasons that I can count here and three major expansions. So obviously the expansions yeah. are paid for. How do the living world seasons operate? So it, it, it comes under the, I think they definitely looking back, we're trying to be quite ambitious and try something different that, that, wasn't really out there and i think we'll probably come into later probably they've decided it is definitely not the way forward but and now they're at the point in the story where they can probably make that call and make a clean cut but ultimately expansions as you're right like they're they're a big bit of meaty content where you might get four or five brand new maps pretty big you maps. might get new maps okay. uh uh you might get new uh elite specifications so like suddenly you know for example, you had eight specifications before, like a warrior and stuff yeah. like that, you, and ranger. You, you now get another eight, but they're tied into maybe like so. You get unlock another. If you got a warrior, you can unlock another specification mm. uh, that basically makes it a completely different character to play, which is cool. And they've done that quite a lot. Um, they have in ex previous expansions released a new class. Uh, they've released mounts. Um, they've released gliding, and the latest one they released um, fishing for the first time. You know, it took them ten years to get. Yeah, it took them 10 years, but they finally got fishing in. Um, and all that, so all that sort of real sort of meaty, chunky stuff that, you know, uh, 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 as MMO gamers, we, we really want them to sink our teeth into and spend hundreds of hours in. And that's what they do. The, the living world are like, uh, the way to think of it, so like living world season one, once again, that they'll break down into chapters and they might just release a chapter of the story. And so like you, you're... You're, they release a part of the story that you know might have two three hours long that you can play through and then that's it leaves you i guess on a cliffhanger to a certain extent until you, you get to the end of that living world season and so okay. like yes. there'll be so as i said there'll be some chapters and so like they'll release that and i guess it's that way to release sort of like small incremental drops where you can go and play a little bit of story and keep the it, it it going usually in that they would sometimes drop like a new raid uh, if they they wanted to or maybe a new strike mission or something like that but it was never what i call a big meaty bit of content they sometimes they did actually to get all credits them they would a lot of the time in this new chapter maybe open up a new map but it might be a smaller map mm. um uh to go around and complete um but ultimately yeah it was like small little divots of stories during a living world and so like that would last let's say a year year and a half maybe they release one every sort of two three months um and it would just sort of keep the story going and the whole point is it's meant to do that until keep people occupied until 
the next big expansion comes and so like you've got you're spoon feeding small bits of content as you go through so people don't say well i've done as much as i want to do i mean i'm going to walk away from it now until you know two years down the line when the next expansion comes uh, and so it's to try and i guess keep people in the game mainly because a lot of it is free to play and so forth and a lot of it they get their revenue from the gem store um it's also worth noting that the living worlds if you are logged in for usually let's say the couple of months that it drops that chapter you get that chapter for free as a right. player yes. that's so you, you're not paying for that the only time you'd pay for that is if you historically came back and be like i would didn't log in over that those two months i might have to pay like you know a couple of quid or maybe a bit more five quid to um unlock that chapter or whatever it is um and i remember having to do that for some of the earlier living world season stuff that i, I missed out on because it was before i started playing yeah. um but generally it's sort of forces not forces but it's trying to keep people within the game more and give story which is quite nice so how long does a chapter last like you know if you live in world season kicks off and it's like here's his episode or chapter one and yep. it's a bit of story is it just like one mission that sets out or is it a group of missions that lead to that chapter and then yeah it's usually a group and so uh, yeah i best thought you usually and like it changes from time to time but like you might have like one big main fight in there like with a, with a, with a like a a big boss or something like that you might have a couple of like uh smaller you know encounters to deal with and in some sort of like smaller bits and it was no nothing too intense as i said two three hours max worth of uh content in that chapter of that living world and as i said you may get five chapters um yeah. for that so overall you're probably getting like 15 hours you know 10 to 15 hours worth of gameplay but uh, for free in terms of story and then but then there's usually other things to do as well so there might be a meta event that happens in the world and stuff like that that's that's happening so you can go and do that and you want to then go and unlock little bits on that new small map and you know explore and 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 do some other things um so even though the story might be two three hours you you might get a good sort of up to 20 hours worth of gameplay out of it um generally because if you want to go around doing a bunch of achievements that drop with it and all that type of stuff uh, yeah it gives you see it's interesting that, that approach it's interesting that they're actually free to start with if you're logged in you'd think that it'd be a good opportunity just to charge two pound but you'd, you'd think so i think it was their way of i guess giving back and thinking yeah. well we'll make our money on the expansions uh but we it's one of those things like i I think 10 years ago, the model probably wasn't there, but definitely more recently with the whole sort of free to play and people yeah, spending the cash shop. Seasons, yeah, they buy battle passes you, for the season. Yeah, yes. exactly. You want, you know, people in the game playing because then they'll see something and they'll be like, oh, I want to buy that. Or they'll be saying on sale in the, in the shop and be like, oh, I don't want to miss out on that. And uh, that FOMO type of thing. And so <laughs> to a certain extent, it is that, that, that fear of missing out. And so, you know, you log back in and so forth and you might buy something from the cash shop and that that's worth it. Yeah. It's, it's it's quite fascinating to look back and think there was actually a model of that back in Guild Wars, but it just wasn't monetized really. Other than if you'd you'd missed it, you know, you'd have to go back and buy it. Can you just log in for the last month and play the previous chapters or episodes in there, or do you have to play them as they're released within a certain time frame? Just say it's it's an event over, or it's a season, sorry, over four months. Yeah. Could you come in on the third month and just say, right, I'm going to start here at episode one and then just crack them all out in succession? So you have to have logged in to have it basically attributed to your account. Yeah. Um, so like there's definitely periods where I've 
not been really wanting to play, but I know that if I didn't log in in the next week or so, I would have to pay for that, you know, chapter. Yeah. So I just log in, see that it's there, and then log out. Okay. And then, and then, and that's definitely been a thing I've done in the past at sometimes. And then, yeah, you can then. I've I've been at a point where then I've just cracked on like with like three or four chapters um in one in one go because then i've got more of that itch and i'm playing like you know 10 hours worth of gameplay and over a, a good period of time and and story wise and, and there's a couple of maps to do and and so forth um so yeah it's uh i i as long as you log in and uh, basically tripping account you obviously can go back and play it but they're there now forever yeah. and so you can play them whenever you want okay. and actually I, the guild wars definitely moving to more of a place where a lot of the they're giving away if you buy the expansions you're getting a lot of the living world stuff free anyway whereas they previously didn't do that like i think i'm pretty sure if you buy ender dragons now it might unlock all the living world seasons with it as well okay uh, previously i think don't uh well don't quote but i think if you buy like the latest expansion with the other two expansions like there's like a joint cost of all three expansions you're buying it basically gives you all the living world seasons as well for free so you don't necessarily because i think they realized that that was gatekeeping content for reasons that you know it wasn't worth it at that point no one wants to go back and play a really like an, a, a seven-year-old bit of content where they have to pay a couple of quid for and i think that actually i don't really need that you know i can get away with that because the living world stuff is, is fun and most of it but it's not like game changing you know story that you need no. to play some of the more recent stuff they did because they they definitely accelerated the story near the end of Guild Wars, probably to get to the point they are now where they pretty much just able to draw a line in the story that they're at. And so they can move forward on to something else. Yeah. But like they, so they accelerated the story they wanted to tell. And it was a 10 year story, but yeah, they're starting to ungatekeep some of that stuff. And so, you know, if people want to go back and play it, they can. Yeah. And do the, do the, do the living world seasons have any attachment as in, is there a continuation of a story or is it normally quite a, here's the start of a, a mini arc and it ends at the end of the season or is there like a cliffhanger and it's like, oh, season three, come back and find out what happened to Bert who was... No, no, so time. like the best way to describe it is from 10 years ago when they released the original game to pretty much now at End of Dragons, there's a linear story through the whole the thing. The Elder so you'll be able to... Dragon Saga, I'm being told it's called in my ear. Elder Dragon Saga. Yeah. The, 2012 uh, to 2022. Well, yeah, there you go. That's what they could. So ultimately, if you want to play that whole uh, from a story perspective um, and it make all the sense, you would play uh, the the original game. You play, I think it's like season one, then season two, then maybe Heart of Thorns then season three. I can't remember what the seasons then maybe Path of Fire, season four, season five, which is Icebroke Saga and then Ender Dragons. You had it all in order. Really? Yeah. There we go. And then there's a couple, I think they're releasing a little bit more content just to close out End of Dragons over the next couple of weeks, yeah. um, months, to really sort of, I guess, put full stop in it. And they're going to use that now as a clean break to sort of go off and tell different stories or maybe different bits of lore that we would have never got to because we were tied into that. So I would say, like, yes, you could have skipped the Living World season stuff because majority of it i can't think of anything that i look back and think well i needed to know that or yeah. whatever and there's definitely good bits of lore in there don't get me wrong and stuff like that but like i could have just played the expansions if i wanted to but if you really want like the full start to finish that is you, you want to play for it all to be able to get that and so yeah like so ultimately it's one story that's just been really split up yeah that's well, a good way of doing it it's like i said it's taken place over the course of a decade in real time so there is 
there is lots there for people if they're joining now. And I wanted to touch on this because there's actually a post that's recently gone out on the on their um their website to the community. And it's a studio update, Guild Wars 2 in 2023. And it's essentially a post kind of looking towards the future and how they're going to perhaps pivot and change how they're operating things. So we've had the... I said the Elder Dragon Saga, I think they've listed it as, from from 20, 2012 to 2022. You said they're looking for a clean break, and it might just be, be being tied up by this little bit of post-game content they're, they're adding for um, for Ender Dragons. But they did post out to the community saying that they've there's certain things they're looking at changing for, for X, Y, and Z. You've obviously had a read through this being you know an avid fan of it. What, in a nutshell, are they doing... And do you think this is these are changes that are long overdue? And what could a, a new player look forward to in the short and medium term based on these changes if they were to sort of play moving forward? Yeah, so I've obviously I've had a read and I've I've, I've digested what I think I've made of it, and I've, you know, I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong. But, no, go on to the comms team and say you ain't communicating properly. <laughs> Exactly, but I've watched a, a couple of also other YouTube videos of you know people in the community and what their thoughts are of it and stuff like that. So I, I definitely got a reasonable idea of what they're trying to do. Well, I hope I've got a reasonable idea. So ultimately, and I think it's a good thing is they are they've got to this point of they've they've finished a story. As I said, that's that's taken them ten years to tell that story, yeah. um, and put out content. But as a you know development company, they've they've had layoffs at points, and everyone mm. thought is the game going to die. You know they they. We've definitely seen content sometimes just take a really long time to come. So I think if you look at if you've got the wiki there with the, when the expansions drop, there's some really big gaps in between the actual meaty, chunky expansions, like potentially like three, four years between some of them. Yeah, um, is, yeah. And you've got people waiting a long time for the next big expansion. And like you lose people and stuff like that over those periods because you're waiting a long time. Um yeah, you can imagine. I'm trying to think of a game that's maybe three years old that they they give like Mario Odyssey. If they put like release a a bit of expansion for that now, majority of people that love that doing? game won't go back and play it. Yeah. And so, um, well, you've seen with Destiny, they've kind of in the last two years they've done the Witch Queen, they're doing Lightfall now. Yeah, like back and to so, back a year apart, so they're clearly. So, and I think this is the methodology, and I think Final Fantasy do something similar as well that they're trying to get to. And and actually, I think as a studio and as a game, it will be better. So, obviously, Cream Break, the Elder Dragon saga, seems to be finished. There's a lot of lore. It's a world. Yeah. We don't have to focus on the Elder Dragon, or even potentially, at, we'll probably use our same characters, if I'm being honest. But, like, oh, yeah, like yeah. We, 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 we don't, like we can go off and do other things that are interesting in the world. Cause there's a lot of other interesting law things that we could go off and explain and, and do and whatever. And they can the opportunity to tell those stories now. So my understanding is what they're trying to do is on a yearly basis, they want to release a new expansion. So like once a year, you'll pay for a bit of expansion. It'll be cheaper than the current expansion. So I think the current expansions were like, like 29.99 at the cheap rate. And then obviously there was different tiers or whatever, if you want to pay more expensive, whatever. Yeah. So my assumption is it's going to be cheaper than 30 quid. So you're probably looking maybe more like 19.99 a year, let's say, which seems relatively reasonable to get a good chunk. And you'll get a a big bit of content, not as big as what we've been experiencing for previous expansions, but like bigger than the Living World Seasons, let's say. Um, that'll keep people busy. But then they'll drop and they'll, you'll get like, I, would, I, I believe it's maybe like halfway through the story, maybe two thirds of the way through the story. But then they'll release the other parts of the story throughout the year. So you'll get a few drops and you've already paid for that. So you're not paying for any more. Um, 
And so ultimately, you're you're therefore in a way maybe you look at is look you're buying a year pass or maybe a year and a half pass, and then you're you're you get an expansion at the start, and then the little bits as we go through, and that enables them to potentially tell a story that they can then bracket around it, yeah. finish that story, and then go to do another story elsewhere in the world um, and tell a different bit of lore or, or something else. And so you can go off and do all these different types of adventures. And hopefully, what this does mean is they're able to build up a level of cycles and uh, they're not over committing and we're getting content more regularly rather than waiting, you know, the three, four years that we have between expansions. And so we, and we've seen when Guild Wars has released an expansion and we see it a lot of times when MMOs release expansions, there's a hype. And then at that period of time, and a lot of people jump onto it, like WoW's done it recently with Dragonflight, but like Final Fantasy do it on a yearly basis where they release a bit of expansion and lots of people jump into it to play it and so forth. And I think that's what Guild Wars is trying to go towards now. So ultimately more diverse stories, which I, in my opinion should be a good thing because it means new players could come in and just not worry about the old content. I hope yeah. anyway, there's a way to do that. And you can just go straight into, I, I want to play this bit of story and, you know, just enjoy that for what that is. Um, I'm really hoping they do that anyway. Um, and then, yeah, and you, because you've paid for that, year pass or that expansion pass you're going to want to go back in because you yeah. feel like well i've already paid for that so you know three four months down the line when that next bit drops you jump back in and do a bit more and so forth um so ultimately i think it's a good move um i think people in the community are generally quite happy about it from what i've seen yeah um and i think what more people are just hoping is just means more regular content so living uh, world gone living world gone. gone basically they've killed it off killed it and off. i think that's the interesting thing is like if you look at previously what they did they tried to balance living world and an expansion an expansion and so they might they they you know they haven't got the engineering teams to do All everything i was yeah, reading exactly. on the on the post actually yeah, they said they cited that they a lot of the team would spend a lot of the time on living worlds and therefore the expansions just took longer than they wanted to and it was a bit the, fo the focus wasn't there. They were kind of like trying to keep things ticking along with the living world. But then obviously in the back of their minds, they were moving towards this massive big moment of releasing a big expansion, but wanted to keep people engaged and offer stuff and, and content. So it seems like a, a more efficient way, or at least in theory, a more efficient way to deliver the stories yeah, that you guys you'd, can get in and play. And you'd hope that, and I like being realistically, and I, I'm, we're okay because, you know, we're, coming up for bloody being middle-aged men but we, we've got a you know you know disposable income or some level of disposable income that we can spend on stuff like this and i i probably means i will be spending more money on the game in terms of expansion wise but mm. i'm okay with that if i'm able to play more uh, more content regularly yeah. and go in and do different stories like for me like i'm quite happy to, i i i sometimes buy stuff from the gem store just so i feel like i'm giving back to the game because i feel like they don't push out enough content um and i don't buy that much from the gem store but no. like like it's i'm hoping with this i you know i at least feel like i'm able to keep the the, the development company going um arena net um and they're able to just push more content and I, i'll happily pay a little bit more over time as i said it may be that i'm paying less for an expansion like say 10 pound less but actually i'm getting three of those for every one expansion and mm -hmm. so they're getting you know like 60 quid out of me rather than that you know 30 quid that you know uh, and so they they should be winning i yeah. should be winning as a player and you know ultimately it, it's it's a it's a good thing i think for everyone yeah, no, it sounds like an interesting pivot, and they've they've got a very 
expansive blog posts on the guildwars2.com website for those that are interested kind of explaining why they've done it and what they're planning to do and it'd be interesting to see and obviously i think now that we've opened the book on this conversation we'll definitely have you back to see how things are going when the when the substantial changes have come in um let's do let's look this is a this is a, a report back on guild wars as a, as a whole you've played every bit of content that's out there story living world etc etc we have to decide on whether this goes into the dimp digital gaming gallery and obviously you will be opening well actually it'll go alongside new world which is in there for you you've got your own personal showcase and personal ex- exhibition it's a bit bare at the moment a bit barren we are looking to address that in the coming sort of months with some uh, other impressions that may be coming your way but guild wars 2 does it go into the dim digital gaming gallery and into your own personal exhibition to show off as people wander around the museum and the gallery uh you're asking someone with a lot of bias, which I'm going to honestly put that Everyone's out Everyone's biased in this game. That's why we've all got our own personal exhibitions. <laughs> but for me, like, if I, you know, look at it in terms of the games that I've played and downtime into, this is by far the most amount of time I've spent in any game of my whole life. For me, this Guild Wars 2 is gaming for me. Uh, like, And I mm. do play other games, but if, if someone say, you know, if you're a gamer you know what are you playing what's the your thing it's just guild wars 2 is top in every conversation and i try and get it into every conversation mm-hmm. on dim digital that i can and it always gets censored out so it is going in for me and how 100%. do you want, how do you want to recognize it obviously you've got the platinum it could be a gold it could be a silver or a, a bronze this will give it its well, own little sort of personal kind of flair there for you to un- so people can understand how much it does mean to you and how much you do enjoy it so where is Guild Wars 2 going to find itself when it comes to the Dimp Digital Gaming Gallery? So for me, once again, even if I take some of the bias out and look at where other people scale it against potentially other MMOs. It's highly, game... it's highly, it's highly thought of in the community. So oh, exactly. It, and it, like, there's no denying if... that. Those that slag it off are just trying to wind you up at this stage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it works. I'll tell you that much, but it's, um, it is a, it's a game that's consistently rated S tier amongst, uh, MMO players that, you know, have a, have played a lot of MMO games. And I, think you know from a casual perspective that they get that why it's lasted 10 plus years now um up there with the likes of world of warcraft final fantasy elder scrolls online yeah old school runescape and i would probably say they're all on a similar level in terms of where they should be placed no that probably shouldn't i did try that that (laughs) wasn't fun to play i didn't enjoy that but um (laughs) for me it, it it can't be anything other than the top tier of platinum. I would give it higher if I could, but I don't think <laughs> above the ceiling. I think there is that glass ceiling there that I cannot break. Cannot um, break. So for me, and as I said, there's a lot of bias in that for me because it is don't have the to game explain it. it is what much. it is. Guild Wars Two yeah. is a platinum officially in the Dim Digital Gaming Gallery, courtesy of Mister Paper, and that's where it will stay. Unless he comes back and does like a whole re-review and says it's gone down the pan since they've pivoted it. Take it out. I want it off there, but I doubt that's going to happen. But that's excellent to see. Excellent to hear. And finally, it gets the recognition within the DIMP community that it probably deserved. I don't want to end on a somber note, but I have to ask this question. 
do you fear the day that it potentially goes away? Or do you ever, in the back of your mind, lay there and think, oh, what am I going to do if, for whatever reason, they decide to pull the plug on it, whether it's to move on to a new project, whether it's to it's, it's become a business failure all of a sudden? Like, And I know you might say that's unlikely, but... There is that can happen. I, I don't, I'm not sure anything's going to continue in perpetuity forever. So you have to think one day that they'll they'll close the doors on this. But given how much time you invested into it, given how much you see you love the game, that's apparent by your passionate kind of thoughts today. Is there a time that keeps you up at night? And you think, well, the day they shut those servers down, it's going to be a real sad day for me. Um, I have thought about that because I, I'll just say I, this quickly. I can go back and play God of War Ragnarok whenever I want. I could just buy the disc if I wanted, and it's, it doesn't require an online connectivity. This will be a day, if, if they just choose to do it, they can they shut it down, it goes. No one can access it. The whole thing goes away. So it does have that kind of... It could fatally just be put out of its misery one day, and no one can access it. And I'm sure there'll be a community popping up to try and run it, but... Yeah. There has to be so, something in the back of your mind that sometimes you think of and think, ah, oh, that's that's not something to look forward to, and I hope they never have to do that. I, I do agree, and and you know, you know how passionate I'm around physical mm. uh, cartridges, and yes. that's a conversation for another day. Um, but it's uh, it's I I had thought about it. I think I would definitely be sad to see it go, but from my perspective, as long as I've completed the story to right. the end point when it closes down i think i'll be okay with that like i'm definitely not there are things i go back in and do from time to time because i enjoy doing it whatever but ultimately the thing that's keeping me plugging through it is the story yeah. and so as long as i can get to the end of the story and feel like you know what i've done the whole story and yeah i'm not going to play any more world versus world and i'm not going to be able to go and get those achievements that i thought i might have wanted i might not be able to do that jumping puzzle or whatever um <laughs> I, I i i think i could live with it i'd definitely be times where i feel like ah oh. you're right there will definitely be people that spin up a server like because oh, yeah. that happens today with with mmos that are less popular yeah. that have got their own but if i spun that up and i couldn't have uh my character called dimp pipes um <laughs> because when i created the character i didn't realize i thought i was creating a username rather than the character name <laughs> So it's it's forever I've reset that. I, it, I've done. I've reset tens and dozens and fifties of hours of things like that. No, but... dim pipes is what it is. You uh, know. So, um, no. But yeah, if if I was to lose him, I just wouldn't go back. Like He's, ultimately, yeah. he is like I must. And that's the other thing. I'm a single character player. I'd have a yeah. couple of others to do some other things. But I don't want to go through and do the same content with lots of different characters. I know lots of people like to do builds and stuff like that. But for me, it's just I'm a one-character person. So the day Dimp gets put out of his misery and he can't be resurrected in another server with the same stats of that everything yeah. he's got now, that would play with the mind and I'd just be like, I ain't going back. Yeah. I'm not resurrecting him if, he's have, if I have to do him all again he's losing this, that and the other. It's not, not worth it. No, no, it's fair. But yeah, it's a, it's a it's an interesting thought experiment because you, you kind of think that just reality says that one day every game that's online will go away eventually because there'll be a new version or something will happen but not today they're obviously pivoting and whatnot we hope that's going to be a big success and we get many here's to 10 more years of guild wars 2 let's say that I, I would quite happily the only time i think i could take quite happily be take a move and not play on mine is if there's a guild wars free right okay so if they <laughs> so then i feel like i can yeah exactly i can just be like right that's that's the move on to the next thing 
And it comes with a nice monthly subscription to boot just to really <laughs> scare people. Good old tactics. No, no. Well, there we go. Guild Wars 2 earns itself a platinum. As I said, we'll get paperback when there's significant movement in terms of the content and check in to see how this new this new method that they're, they're attempting goes because it's going to be interesting to just kind of track that we'll definitely have you back on we appreciate your time as always and for those that are listening if you've made it this far as i said as i always say i should say hit subscribe i don't actually always say this in fact in fact i very rarely say because no one does you're better off just doing a short and then people subscribe off the back of that but if you want to put and in pocket at patreon.com forward slash dip digital is the way to go anyway nothing more for us to say here other than thanks for your time and ta-da This was a Dimp Digital production.